Hi everyone, I'm Mike. And I'm Jeremy. Welcome to House Calls, a podcast where we take your questions on all things related to homes, design, or anything else about buildings and the places people dwell. Call 1-800-511-6842 to get your questions answered. And remember, the advice might only be worth what you paid for it. Jeremy. Michael. This weekend I got a call from a homeowner. Okay, tell me about it. I get a call this weekend about a deck. I have this deck, it's almost finished, contractor's not working out, can you help? Sure. Yeah, deck almost finished, what, what, I mean, handrail, whatever, maybe you had a problem with the handrail. Sure, I'll go over, finish up that deck. I get to this house, it's a beautiful house. Basically a millwork project. Do a level deck. Wonderful people, wonderful project, architectural drawings, construction details, built construction details. Implementation. Disaster. Total disaster. Whoever it was, I don't know who it was, in way over their head. That's too bad. It is too bad. And For so many reasons, it's too bad. And that's why I sighed so big just now. Yeah. But, it, I mean, listen, it, I don't think it matters if you're a contractor. I think that that story should disappoint anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor. It doesn't matter if you're a lawyer. It doesn't matter if you bang nails for a living. Really? Yeah, I just, I think that that story sh- should bother anybody with a heart. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, listen, if there's one thing I know, it's that if you mess up, say, I messed up. And then you do your best to try to fix it, whether it's you or someone else to fix it. You got to fix it. And if you don't, well, that's a whole other issue. So what'd you do? I'm helping her out. Do you have to take a lot of stuff apart? Unfortunately, yeah. I got to take it right back to the framing. No. Yes. That's a bummer. Yeah, it is. Jeremy, who do we have on the phone? We have a call coming in. Who do we got? We have Mike in Albania. No, Albany. Albany, New York. Albany, New York. Love these people. This is Jeremy and Mike from the House Calls podcast. How's it going? It's going well. Good good afternoon, gentlemen. A couple of years ago, we had a guy do some work uh, at our house to replace a couple of, the, actually, the two of the hose bits yeah. for uh, accessing water outside. And last year, um, one of those hose bibs, the silcock, actually uh, froze. Um, and we had an issue uh, related to the, the insulation, uh, the lack of insulation around the uh, around the silcock. We had a little issue there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we addressed that. We replaced it last year. Went to uh, turn on the water this year. And uh, nothing happened. And so there's a, there's a new silcock in there. Mm-hmm. The, there's a uh, quarter-turn valve behind that. Yeah. And um, I can't quite figure out what's going on. So we've got water supply going to that, but we've got nothing coming out the other side of it. Yeah. I thought there might actually be a uh, something jammed up in the hose or something like that, but no, disconnected the hose and nothing's coming out of the silcock. What type of insulation do you have in in the basement? Uh, that was a spray foam insulation at the rim joist that went uh, around that or you know around the entire basement at the rim joist, gotcha. and it completely surrounds that uh, that silcock. The silcock, by the way, I should say, the back of that is not visible from the inside of the basement. You know, on the on the inside of the spray foam insulation because it's in the foam, right? It's in the foam. So, for all the callers out there who don't know what 
the bib is that you're talking about. It's basically the hose spigot to the outside of the house. It's what you would hook your hose up to to get water for your hose outside. Basically, what you're saying is that you had a contractor, someone reputable, come out, put in an outside spigot or silcock, and uh, one year it froze. Did it break when it froze? What it, What happened with it? I don't remember, actually. I think it did. I think the, the, the valve might have broken itself, but I can't remember, admittedly. All right. um, I don't remember what the back of that, what the back end of that thing looked gotcha. like. And was, was the spray foam there the whole time? No, the spray foam was new after the installation of the, of the, of the replacement of the, of the silk. Yeah, gotcha. So it, the first year, nothing there and it froze. The second year we had spray foam in there and we thought we'd just that. So right. um, but maybe not. I have a thought. Okay. What is the water supply inside the house that feeds the backside of that hose bib mechanism. What is that pipe made out of? Is it copper? Is it PEX? Is it iron? It's PEX, actually. It was replaced with PEX all the way back to you know, a, a couple of elbows in there. So the PEX runs through the basement for probably 15 feet. It sounds like you can't see the interface between the PEX. Correct. Okay. I wonder if when they applied the spray foam, if it melted the PEX and shut the PEX closed and thereby water can't get through it. So just for the listeners out there, PEX is a polyethylene tubing, and people use it for all types of water supply in their home. It's plastic. Essentially. It's plastic piping. Right. And so when the spray foam is applied to insulate that rim joist area on the backside of that hose bib. It's a chemical reaction yes. that makes that spray foam expand, and, and any chemical reaction creates heat, Right. And the beauty of spray foam is it sets up in, I don't know. Minutes? Yeah. Second? No, 30, seconds. 30 seconds, but for a full full cure. 48 hours? Not even. It's like a half hour. It's crazy. No. Yeah, you can go inside. There's not a lot of fumes after about a half hour. I mean, it off-gasses for the next six months. Oh, yes. It off-gasses supposedly for 48 hours, maybe. Six months. But the actual God, spray foam... You and foam, I have to get on the same page about spray foam, hey, I guess. <laughs> listen, I, I know all about it. But uh, anyway, so it creates a lot of heat because it sets up in about a half hour, and it's a lot of foam. So as spray foam people, you typically want to spray foam around these plastic pipes in layers. So you spray foam a little, and you go away, and you let it set up, and then you come back and you spray a little more, and you go away. And the reason is, is because you don't want to pile up too thick of foam around these plastic piping because it can melt it. However, I'm going to say that you're off base here, Jeremy. I'm going to say you're off base because I've been on plenty of projects where the spray foam guys come in and spray foam around PEX tubing. With no problem. No problems. Hmm. So... I'm going to say that you have a freeze-thaw issue, and it's ruined the rubber seal on the inside. It's probably clogged up the spigot. What you need to do is Call something... a plumber. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, I call a plumber, but you're going to need to create a drain valve down in the basement. So far down the line of the pecs inside the home, you have to create a drain valve. They sell them at any hardware store. And a lot of people put these, like, foam cones over their spigot for the winter, and they suck. I'm telling you right now, they're good. They work for a lot of people. That's a, that's a nice way of saying they don't work well. They, that's a they technical work. term, right? Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they work. 
until it gets really, really cold, and then they don't work. So if you live in North Carolina, Virginia, they work great. If you live in Albany, Al- New York. Albania, New York, probably not so good. So what you need to do is create a drain valve down in the basement. You said you have a ball valve before the spigot. So you need to move that ball valve way down into the basement, and then you need to put a drain valve after that ball valve. So every year when you know it's going to get cold enough, you shut that ball valve off, you open up the drain hose, and nothing's going to come out. Then you go outside to your spigot, and you open it up. And it allows that pressure to release, that vacuum to release, and it will drain out that drain valve. And uh-huh. your whole pipe, your whole tubing will be empty, and you won't have a freeze-thaw issue. You won't be ruining rubber seals. You won't re- be replacing stuff. And you definitely won't worry about what's going on where you can't see it behind the spray foam. Now, I think that there's a, a, a valve on the top of the silcock on the outside that allows water to flow out after you turn off the valve, which you know runs, I don't know, 14 inches back into the, into the, behind the sill. Uh, that, that's not sufficient, apparently, to be able to allow you know, that, with that water to be coming out or, or the entire mechanism is freezing. Is that, is that the idea? Yeah, you don't want to rely on that little valve. You could just open up the hose valve, the spigot, and just leave it open all winter and allow that drain valve that's in the house to drain all that line. It's probably going to be, I don't know, 10 feet of line. And that's the solution to this problem. You just want to get the water away from the rim joist. You want to get it as far away into the living quarter. And then every spring, you go and open up the spigot, you close the drain valve, and you open up the ball valve, and boom, you have water every year. No problem. Hope that answers your call. It does. Great. Thank you, Thank you for calling. Appreciate Best it. Best of luck, Mike. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, yep, Mike. Jeremy. Mike. Do you wear the proper safety equipment? Sometimes. Personal protective equipment. Do our listeners know what this is? I don't know. Do we have to talk about it again? We do, because we really should talk about it all the Let's time. Let's do it. It is Let's so t- very important. We talked about it. In episode one, let's quickly go through it. You ready? Let's just bang out the list real quick. Ready? Well, go. There's a long list. Depends what you're doing. But the most important thing are safety glasses. Please don't wear the sunshade ones. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. If you're doing siding all day, that's great. But eventually you're going to walk in the house and you might have to do some work there. And if you got shades on, it could get a little dangerous. So if you have the shaded ones, also please keep, keep the clear ones handy. I keep one of each on the dashboard of my truck. Perfect. Another thing you need is gloves. They're very important, right? Ear protection. Ear protection is always good. But most importantly, if you're working around drywall, is drywall dangerous? Yes. What do you mean it's dangerous? Everybody well, does drywall. Okay, trick question. Let's start over again. Yeah, is drywall dangerous? Sometimes. Can it be? Yes. If when? There's, if there's mold growing on it. Oh yeah, that's dangerous. If you're cutting it. If you're cutting it. You're referring to gypsum wallboard, gypsum I believe. Gypsum wallboard. When you're cutting Drywall. it, airborne dust could get in your lungs while you're cutting it. Might what be, type of dust is it? It's gypsum dust. It's silica. It's a form of silica, and silica's a big deal. It's a big deal now. EPA is really, or excuse me, OSHA is cracking down on it. Why is it a big deal, do you know? Silica's bad for your lungs, and it's in a lot of cementitious things. So, PPE, glasses, gloves... HEPA respirator, if you're doing any dusty real work, especially around silica dust or asbestos or fiberglass. Toe protection, sun protection. 
and ear protection. Wear a hard hat if you really want to. And, uh, you know, if you're working with heavy things above your head, maybe you should put on a hard hat. You know what I have to say? Hard hats are for (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy. Mike. Who do we have on the line next? We have Todd. You answered your own question. That was brilliant. Hey, Todd, this is Mike and Jeremy here at House Calls. How's it going? I'm all right. How are you guys? Excellent. Good. You called in with a question. We want to help. All right. Very good. I have a 23-year-old water heater, and it has a uh, small motor on the top with a uh, an exhaust fan that pulls out of the center and uh, forces the heat on the exhaust out the side of the house. Well, that motor is starting to uh, clang and bang, and I think the bearings are close to failure. Yeah. And the fan slows down and the warning light comes on that it's not venting properly. So uh, the question is, what do you guys think? Should I try to source and find a new motor or should I replace the whole water tank? I would replace the whole thing. It's 23 years old. I mean, some people get, unfortunately, as little as seven or eight years out of a water tank, whether it's electric, even the best gas ones. You know, you get what you pay for, but 23 years old is a long, long run on a water tank. Todd, don't tell Jeremy. They don't make them like they used to. Listen, go on (laughs) eBay. Go Go on eBay. (laughs) Look for the motor. No, I'm kidding. The truth of the matter is the new ones are good for your pocketbook. At least for seven years. (laughs) No, you know. Seven years. No, no. I mean, I would say minimum seven years. Is it electric or is it gas? It's uh, gas. Okay. I think anything that you get now is going to be more energy efficient than this old vintage unit from 23 years ago. There's no question. And to that end, something that years is vintage. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So am I. So am I. You have any water issues? Sulfur, minerals? Well, I'm near Saratoga, home of. Home of all this mineral water. So, uh, you know, we have our share of minerals. But, well, see, uh, that's why your hot water tank lasted so long. It's, it's like the fountain of youth for hot water tanks. <laughs> that's, wow. Oh, man. That's it. I'm changing the motor. Todd, wh- where is the existing tank inside your home? Is it inside a closet? Is it just in the basement? No, it's in the basement in the corner. Okay. So one thing to keep in mind is that thanks to our first former president— Mr. Barack Obama, a lot of these tanks that you're going to get now in 2018, 2017, the tanks themselves of an equivalent capacity are actually larger. So a what did, what size did you say yours was? 40. Okay, so if you get a so a 23-year-old 40-gallon tank is going to actually be a smaller unit than a 40-gallon tank from 2018. There's more insulation in them, and I want to say they're somewhere around two inches wider and two inches taller. So if you have this unit, say, in a closet or a crawl space or um, someplace that was small, you just have to be careful that the new unit is actually going to fit in that same space. All right. I will add that to my research and bring my tape measure. (laughs) (laughs) Always bring the tape measure. Now, is the tape measure metric or imperial? (laughs) Can you say segue? (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm curious on your take on metric system for, you know, what you guys do. Do any of you use it in your carpentry or your work? I'm talking metric tape measure. I don't mean like, you know, metric wrenches. I'm talking, you know. I'm actually not a carpenter. I just play one on Instagram. So you're going to have to ask Mike here. I love metric. Me personally, I love metric. I think it's silly. The build industry is the last industry, I think, on the planet. They Well, let me take let me go back a little. The U.S. build industry is the last industry on the planet to still use the imperial system. I mean, it's crazy. So anyway, building metric is great, except no one else does it. So for instance, in woodworking, metric is becoming the standard. It, it pretty much everything's metric. New machinery comes out in metric measurements, etc. Even your imperial tape measure has truss diamonds on it that you can frame using the truss diamond marks, which are 19 and 3 sixteenths. But those truss diamonds are put there because trusses and engineered lumber originated and is mainly used in Europe. And the 4 by 8 sheet that even Europeans use originated in the U.S. So we have to blend those two systems together. So this truss diamond system is a great way to build. The problem is you go building a house in the truss diamond system. So for instance, if you lay out studs or joists 19 and 3 sixteenths, someone coming in later is going to be really confused when they're trying to look for a stud. To explain the truss diamond system, basically it's a measurement, 19 and 3 sixteenths, that eventually, like 16 on center, 24 on center, ends up at the 8-foot mark. I think we lost them. Ah, uh, no, I'm, I'm processing that. <laughs> I did not think I was going to get that kind of, kind of detail. That's I mean, metric is here and it's coming every day, but that could you could go through a couple water heaters by then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So I don't. Well, what's, what... I find I'm using it in just my you know my homeowner stuff and things that I build. I'm I'm using a metric tape. For instance, it. name a project you would use it on. My deck. Nice. So you're laying out choice according to the trust diamonds. Sure, sure. Nice. No, no, I'm not using your trust diamonds, but uh, <laughs> you know just other other things that requires measurement and base ten and metric is just a pleasure to work with, and for my aging eyes. It is much easier <laughs> to uh, to identify the marks. That's so. great. All right. Well, thank you guys for the info, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do some some research here. We appreciate the call. Thanks for calling, Todd. Thanks so much. You bet. You guys have a good one. Yep. You too. Have a great night, Jeremy. Mike. We have a caller on the line. Who is it? It's Heather. Let's find out where she's from. What she's up to. Excellent. Hello. Hey, is this Heather? Yeah, this is Heather. This is Mike and Jeremy from the House Calls podcast. How's it going? <laughs> Hi, Mike and Jeremy. What's going on, Heather? I can't believe I I can't believe I voluntarily uh, decided not decided, but I like jumped at the chance. I saw this and I was like, "What is this podcast? I must be on it." Perfect. So, where are you from? New York, New York. The Big Apple. Yep, the Big Apple. I've been forcibly removed from New York for the last three weeks. I've been sort of in suburbia. And the long and the short of it is a couple of weeks ago, I was away and I came home from a business trip at one in the morning to find 
uh, I was like, what is that smell? I opened my door and I live in a studio apartment and my apartment had been closed up for the like, four days. Um, and there was water dripping from the ceiling and apparently my upstairs neighbor had flooded. I, I don't know how, but there was water that came through his bathroom, oh, yeah. um, into my bathroom. There was a big yellow stain all across my ceiling, the wall on the bathroom side into my actual living space was, um, had water that had dried at this point running down it. Um, the floor was sticky with water. I turned on the bathroom light and water poured out of the bathroom light. Um, and the question that I have at this point, because it's not, I don't own the, the apartment. It's been quote unquote fixed. They wouldn't put in high powered fans to dry out the uh, wall. They sort of like let it dry. They said you're on and your I own. And I can't, yeah. Just, yeah, I can't really decipher how long the apartment was wet because I was gone for a few days and the upstairs neighbor won't tell me what happened. <laughs> and my kitchen, right. So my kitchen cabinets are attached to the, the wall adjacent to the bathroom and now there's a strange orange powder yeah. like a powdery growth that's coming out of the cabinet yeah it's mold it's a nasty and mold. they're particle board and cheap yeah what so is it? it's a type of mold the orange powder is the super not interested in in handling any other problems in your apartment they're not in any urgency this is like three weeks ago i've yet to be in my apartment and i've now sent them a letter saying that i'm you know, that I'm taking the next level of action, but I wanted, I haven't been able to decipher or confirm whether or not this growth that I'm now seeing on the inside of the cabinet is, um, harmful, you know, in the, in the space. Yeah. Is it harmful? Is it toxic? Is it mold or is it just the cabinets disintegrating because they are particle board? I guess my question is, is it safe? And yeah. if we didn't put in a dehumidifier and they didn't put in high-powered fans and they just replaced half of the bathroom ceiling because they're cheap, mm-hmm. do I fight for this apartment or in six months am I going to have some major underlying health issues? So I'm a big fan of using your taxpayer dollars to your advantage. All right. If I were you... You've done all the appropriate steps. I would send the letters. I document it all. And then I would immediately call the Board of Health and see if they can help you, right? Mm -hmm. Because this could potentially Mm -hmm. be toxic. You don't want to deal with this Mm -hmm. long term because we take calls all the time where we explain that that moisture is going to live in those walls for a long time and it might not come out for a long time. So black mold, things like that. Now, black mold is everywhere. You're not going to get away from it. The long and the short of it is is that it did happen, and you have legitimate concerns. I like Mike's idea of contacting the health department. Maybe they can come in and and take some sort of sample and test whether or not, is it mold, is it not mold? If it's mold, I think that that you have every right to just tell the, the super that you can't live there. The super, or however this works, they should provide housing for you. Yep. And if they don't, you could potentially take legal action. Yep. And I think the Board of Health is gonna is gonna point you in the right direction. They might even. That's say- gonna be the yeah the right direction. Okay. Yeah. My reason for calling was to sort of uh, if you know is to sort of say, hey, am I being a whistleblower here, or is this actually a real no, thing if, that I should be concerned? about? You don't about? deserve to live in that. Yeah. 
it doesn't matter if you're a whistleblower yeah. <laughs> or not. If, if if there's mold growing there, then you shouldn't be there. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And although m- most mold is fine, still. You shouldn't be living with orange mold in your cabinets. Period. And if it's not mold, then... Well, I, that's, I think, was I wasn't sure if it was not mold and just sort of like, you know, a new decoration or if it was like <laughs> some sort of toxicity. Well, hopefully now... the, the health department will be able to, to help you with that. Yeah, and they're probably going to point you... They're, okay. Yeah, they're going to find the people that need to analyze this. And because it's a rental, it's yeah. not like you can call the insurance company and it's not like you can call up a a mold abatement people because it's not your building. So you need to get represented. I can't do anything. Yeah, you can't do anything. So I would I would go with the Board of Health and they'll probably tell you another phone number for renter representation in New York City. Listen, you pay taxes for these agencies. Use them. Yeah. Use them. Now it's time to use them. Yeah. But don't get disgruntled. That's actually hardball. All right, well, thank you. Yes, <laughs> thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Of course. Uh, that was that's very helpful and just kind of uh, solidified my own hesitation in staying there. You know, I've chosen to not stay there because of one, the smell, and then the construction. And they anyway, have orange cool. in them. I I feel like I have what? And they have orange growing out of them. <laughs> Heather, thank you for calling in. Thank you for calling. And if you have if you have any other friends or any people that need some advice on these weird and wacky things that happen to the places we dwell. Please, anytime, call in, really, 1-800-511-6842. Please spread the word for us, and we'd love to hear from you guys out there. Thank you. Great. And do me a favor. If you remember, we'd love to have you follow up, call in at a later date, and let us know how it all went down so we can help others who have similar problems. Okay, I will. I'll be in touch. All right. right. Sounds good. Thank Thank you. you. Good luck. Have a great day. Okay. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. On behalf of JK and I, thank you to all our callers that call in. We really appreciate these calls. We love helping people solve their problems. And if you want to subscribe, find us, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And in the infamous words of Mike Wentland, be good. Thanks for listening to the House Calls podcast, recorded at Silver Hollow Audio, with your hosts, Mike Wentland and Jeremy Castle. This episode was produced by Brett Barry, production assistant Nicholas Wagner, distributed by Anchor. Thanks to our program sponsor, Rare Books Uncovered, true stories of fantastic finds in unlikely places, now available in paperback. Be sure to click that subscribe button and call us so we can feature your home question on the show. 1-800-511-6842. That's 1-800-511-6842. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in.